I've always grown up thinking that my first major would be the U.S. Open, and to have it happen in this fashion was special. Bryson DeChambeau is a U.S. Open champion. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Major Talk with Pinnacle, the golf betting podcast that has you covered ahead of every major throughout 2021. I'm your host, Chris McCarthy, but as usual, we've got our golfing experts back with us today in Sophie Walker and David Lynn, whilst James Gregg returns to share his expert insight and analysis ahead of the year's third major, the US Open Championship at Torrey Pines. Now, yet again, we can't look forward without looking back and what historic scenes we witnessed last month as this man became the oldest player ever to win a major. Keogh Ireland's golfing history rewritten by Phil Mickelson. At 50, the game's oldest majors champion in the men's professional game. Brothers in arms, uh, 18, it's major number six, and perhaps the sweetest of them all. A day that will be talked about for many, many years to come. Now, Mickelson was largely unconsidered at Kiowa Island in the betting market with Pinnacle, being backed with us at a maximum odds of 366.0. So that's 365 to 1 for listeners who prefer more conventional fractional odds uh, to land his first major for eight years, eventually winning by two shots and what was a classic final day of golf in action. Now, uh, guys, uh, welcome back. Uh, first off... Um, what on earth is going on in the world of golf betting at the minute? We've had the world number one, Dustin Johnson, missing back-to-back cuts in majors and a 50-year-old just won the PGA Championship. So I think it's uh, safe to say that selecting outright winners in the golf betting market right now is as hard as ever. Um, but that doesn't mean that we won't keep trying. Uh, Sophie, welcome back. I'll start with you. Despite all of what, what I've just said, you did make a good outside call on our last podcast with Brandon Grace uh, and your shout there. You hit some real fine form early on at the PGA. Now, he did fall away eventually, but Grace's efforts were enough to move him from 182 to 1 in the betting with Pinnacle into 10 to 1, which was a profitable trade for our listeners. Uh, firstly, what have you made of what we're seeing at the minute in the form of, well, like, quite frankly, kind of most of the world's best players just not performing or justifying their odds in these betting markets at the majors? Yeah, well, I mean, when you announced me on the show as a golf expert, after the, the last two pods where we've... Uh, <laughs> Pick, pick players and they've not come good. I think it just shows that um, I actually thought last year with everything that was going on with COVID, no fans, etc., there was going to be a lot more kind of random winners. But like you said there before, I don't see, nobody saw Phil Mickelson in this. I mean, the guy can barely hit a fairway. And then he goes from, from like being one of the worst strokes gain tee to green to being like one or two and taking down Brooks Kupka. So yeah, it's, we can only do what we can do, I suppose, and present all the evidence. But if anybody did bet on Matsuyama and a, a Mickelson double, then maybe you should get them on the pod because uh, yeah, I, I definitely didn't see it coming. But you know what I am thinking? Linny, 50 years old, coming up, Mickelson. I mean, it must inspire you, no doubt, to try and well, that, uh, get back out what, there. Uh, that's what I was just going to get to. I was going to say, David, obviously, great to have you back with us. Now, uh, Sophie almost took the words out of my mouth and we're not bringing age into the uh, not ages podcast here, pal. We're all, uh, we're all good friends. But uh, if Wikipedia serves me correctly, you're three years shy of Mickelson in years lived. And having competed against him, firstly, how big of an achievement I suppose is that to win a major at 50 years old and what's your opinion on 
why we aren't seeing the favourites and suppose world's best perform at the minute and they're kind of being outdone by, I suppose, the old guard or players totally not in form. I think, yeah, I mean, that business with Mickelson and what, what makes it even more amazing is the fact it was the longest recorded course, wasn't it, in major history. And, it was, and, yeah, it was. And you get this 50-year-old guy. Yeah, I think all uh, all credit to him because... He, he works out, doesn't he? He's he's sustaining his fitness. He's doing what he needs to do to uh, to try and keep up with the young guns. And he's gone out there and he's just schooled them all, hasn't he? Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, working, yeah. <laughs> uh, I must admit, I I sort of felt my body sort of letting me down when I was getting close to forty and uh, back issues and whatnot. And yeah, yeah. I mean, you you just got to take your hats off to the fella. I mean, it was it. Incredible performance on every level. Yeah, I mean, amazing, amazing, amazing round, amazing scenes at the end there. Um, James, obviously, it's a pleasure to always have you back. Uh, what's your take on this for our listeners and listeners and the reasoning behind what we're seeing at the minute? Maybe, I mean, is it motivation? No crowds? I mean, what have you got for us? <laughs> um, first of all, great to be back. I think, you know what? It's it's one of those anomalies. It's an immeasurable, isn't it? We we talk about it on a lot of the pinnacle podcasts, like Allison scoring that goal for Liverpool in the Premier League. It's just <laughs> something that you just don't see happening, um, and nobody's gonna. There's no kind of logical explanation for it, and it's just kind of the stars align. And you know, law of averages say that you know all the numbers pointed at Mickelson doing all right. You know, Sophie quite rightly pointed out Mickelson couldn't keep it on the planet before off the tee, and he just looked so solid. And he was doing this weird meditation thing as well, wasn't he? With, with those sunglasses on, we couldn't see his eyes, but apparently he had his eyes shut. And he was doing this like big deep breathing exercises before. And, and, and you know, it's what works, isn't it? And um, he was hitting the fairways and he was hitting the greens. And I mean, his short game is brilliant. That's the thing with Mickelson. On these tough courses where the scoring's not particularly low, you've got to back him over the rest of the field to, to scramble. And... My only explanation is is that you, you know you've got your people like Kepka, McElroy, uh, Rahm, you know like the big hitters and stuff. Week in week out, they're in fourteen, fifteen greens every round. Uh, they're having good looks at birdies. And to be fair, a lot of the courses, you know, if they do, if they are missing fairways, you know, the, the views they got away to the green. It's different at majors. It's different at the US PGA. It's different at the US Open. So that's why you do see players who've just got a really tight short game. Uh, propelling themselves up the leaderboard um, and, and the scores closer to par favour those players and you know it's, it's alright when it's a bird, when it's a birdie fest and it's 20 under 25 under winning um, that's when you see those top top boys um, just flourishing it's their bread and butter but that's that's my opinion I think you know what I think Torrey's going to play very similar actually so don't be surprised if there's not somebody with a sneaky good short game who's up there and I'm not saying Mickelson will do it again but you know, we never know. It might be up there. We'll uh, we'll get onto that in a little while, pal, um, and we'll move on. But um, I mean, despite what we have uh, discussed, I suppose we need to remain positive in our quest for a, for an outright winner. So hopefully, the third major of the year uh, we will will be the one where we do grab that winner. Um, I'm just going to read off some of Pinnacle's odds that stand out going into this year's tournament and where we've seen some money come in so far. So. Brooks Kopka is the current betting favourite, odds of 11.61. So that's around 10 to 1 in fractional odds. Um, he's closely followed by John Rahm, who's 13.37. 
Uh, after that, we have Jordan Spieth and Bryson. They're both at around about 15 to 1. Uh, whilst world number one, Dustin Johnson, is sits at 18.2. And I, I believe that that is his longest odds that we've had for quite some time. Um, and I would imagine this is down to current form at the Masters and the PGA. Um, some notable odds that also might stand out, stand out for our listeners in this kind of crazy year of golf betting. Uh, Bill Mickelson, as you discussed, uh, James, he's, he's available at 49.7. So I suppose we'll, we'll round that one up. That goes to around 50 to 1. Um, surely he can't go back to back. Um, but I mean, I quite like the look of Wills Altoris this week. I think he's 33.46. He seems to be, for me anyway, seems to be really consistent, playing really well. I looked at some of his stats. I think he's finished tied six at last year's US Open, runner-up and tied eight at this year's first two majors. So nothing's really kind of putting me off back in him just, well, just yet anyway. Um, I'll start with you, David. Firstly, what do you make of kind of them odds? And secondly, having first-hand experience, obviously, playing this course, is there anything you can tell our listeners about what to expect? Or is there any particular kind of style of golfer to avoid here or to the back even? Yeah, so to, to talk about the course... Uh... I did play uh, a couple of tournaments there. The uh, uh, I can't remember which one it was now, the sponsor one, but it played very, very long. Now, I, I was playing it end of January, early Feb, and I was actually advised, when I was talking to a couple of players out there before I'd sort of set my schedule, they sort of said to me, and they were sort of hinted that I didn't hit it very far. They said I'd stay away from Tory Pines if I was you, because you'll sort of struggle <laughs> around there. But of course, being being new out there, I just sort of wanted to play everywhere. So I ended up playing Tory twice, made the cut twice, uh, but it was so long. And I'd, I had a weekend with Bubba Watson. And I saw just how much of a different golf course, a proper long golf course was to those sort of guys. You know, he was he was just 40 yards past me off the tee, which it was a totally different golf course. Whereas I remember sort of hitting about seven, eight greens in regulation. That was probably as good as I was doing, believe it or not. But I always had a good short game. So I sort of managed to scramble my way around. So... I know I sound like a broken record when I sort of keep going on about lump on the crushers, but it's going to be playing a little bit different because it's not going to be as wet, I don't think, uh, at, at, at this time of year. But still, it, it's a massive advantage if you can shift it out there. But I guess the US Open as well, it's gonna they're, they're gonna that rust's gonna be a bit meaty, isn't it? So. Uh, it's never a hindrance, and especially having played around there, I don't think uh, it's a hindrance at all, the fact that you can shovel it out there, even if you are sticking it in the rough a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So I'm hearing them, them, what, that word scrambling. I'm hoping that it's not leaning towards another Mickelson victory. But <laughs> Sophie, <laughs> uh, I'll, go, I'll go to you. We've been doing a bit of work this week um, regarding this tournament. Um, and I noticed that you've you've identified both Daniel Berger and Webb Simpson as potential value picks here. What's your kind of reasoning behind that? And there are, I suppose, are there any other players you feel our listeners should look out for in the betting markets? Yeah, I mean, the reasons I've gone for those two is, I mean, Webb Simpson's uh, record in the US Open is, you know, is phenomenal. He's, he's a winner of it. He was at eighth last year. His bogey avoidance, so that's kind of the key stat at, at a US Open because, uh, like Linny said, it, it's going to be tough. So he leads 
bogey avoidance and, and, and par is, is very much your friend at a US Open. Uh, and his attitude as well, like he's, he's you know, someone said, oh, he's, you know, he, he's always on the right side of bed. He always gets up and he's always a positive thinker and his bounce back ability. Just, I mean, get, throwing it back to Linny, it's more, you know, when people say about all oh, the rough at the US Open, like can you describe the difference in a setup of a US Open because I've just watched the women's US Open and you can't see the ball in the rough and they've only just missed the fairway as a player. I mean, obviously you've got to avoid it, but what are the challenges of trying to hold a green when you're out of that type of style of grass? Well, it's, it's virtually impossible. I mean, you're just looking to advance it as far as you possibly can. And there's a, these muscle players, you know, your likes of Cock, uh, your Dustin Johnson, your DeChambeau, who, who come along and they're, they're lifting heavy weights, aren't they? And, and well, Tiger, Tiger was always renowned for, he could advance it out of the heavy rough way further than anyone else. And, and it is a big advantage. But again, though, uh, I talk about crushers. Yes, it's an advantage. But then you go to your likes of your Webb Simpsons, who... He probably doesn't miss that many fairways. I don't know his stats, but it, the, the guy who does hit a lot of fairways, I mean, he is in with a chance because at the end of the day, it's not going to be a stupid score that wins it. Uh, and, it and, and that business of uh, keeping the bogeys off your cards, I mean, that, that is massive in a US Open. Yeah, when you look at the last time it was played there in 2008, minus one, one, and that was, you know, Tiger... Well, obviously he had a broken leg, so he might have been minus three or four <laughs> if he had two proper legs. But when you look at the when they play in February, yeah, no, Justin Rose shot minus 21 a couple of years ago to win it. So the course is going to play a, a lot different. Um, what's your feeling, Linny, on, on the difference in greens? Like everyone keeps going on about Poana greens against bent grass. Like, is there that big a difference? I've not played that much in America, so I don't really understand. Is it everyone's saying, oh, Dustin Johnson's great on Poana greens? What is the difference between a Poana green and a bent grass green? I've got no idea, and everyone talks about it all the time. So, t- Tory's Poana, isn't it? And I, I, yeah. I remember this from the West Coast. They are horrific at the end of the day. So, when that sun's setting and you just get that different sort of light, I'm not kidding you. You look over a Poana green and you might have a two-foot putt and you think there's just no way in this world I can hold it. It just, it it seems to just take all the traffic so badly. It cuts up, your footprints go into it. They, honestly, I can't tell you how bad they are to put on. It's horrific, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, so we're maybe looking at people that, like, that, that play well on the West Coast, that grew up on those type of greens, so they're more used to it. Maybe Mickelson, if he's uh, something to do with cl- sh- shutting his eyes, is, is that what we heard uh, before? Yeah. yeah. So Joe <laughs> yeah. shuts his eyes as well, doesn't he? James thinks it's his new superstitious thing to get get a win. But they, um, I mean, what about what about you, James? Have you, I suppose, have you uh, identified any value amongst Nichols' odds? Who's your who's your kind of pick of the players there? Have you got any? Uh, I suppose you must have spoke to Matt a few times about about this course, or especially yeah. I, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> I think it's a course that doesn't necessarily suit him. 
um, particularly. And I, I, I'm not sure he's particularly looking forward to it, to be honest, but I won't speak, um, you know, too much out of the turn. Um, no, it, it, well, yes, I whisper that quietly. I think um, in terms of um, someone like, I mean, I'm looking at the top end and I'll, I'll give you a bit of a uh, an outside pick um, at some stage. If you, unless you want it now, Chris, I'm not sure. But I'll tell you what, I'll give you Spieth. I'll give you Spieth. Take your time, I'll take your time. I'll give you Spieth. My, my, I'm going to take him out of the reckoning because he's on good form and he's a man for the majors. And I think that is pretty much the only reason that they've managed to put his odds at 15 on Pinnacle. Um, because... There's, he's got a really bad record at Torrey Pines. And I think this is a golf course. You know, Tiger has won a ridiculous amount of times at Torrey Pines. And a lot of players who have success at the course um, have it all the time. And I think it's either a course that suits you or it doesn't. And it, I just don't think it suits Jordan Speed. Um, for, you know, he's not the longest. Yeah, he's not short, but he's not like the, the really long players. And I also think that the, those greens and the Kikuyu grass um, and the Pau greens, I just don't think it suits speed. I just don't think it's it's a good one for him. So at 15s, absolutely no chance. Save your money. I'm also then looking um, on a positive front at Rory McIlroy because he's at 19s on Pinnacle and he's got a great record at Torrey Pines. Fifth, third and 16th in his last three starts there. And he's just starting to trend a little bit. That work he's doing with Pete Cowan, his short game looks razor sharp. He's looking much better off the tee. We obviously won a couple of weeks ago. I, 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 I think that at 19s, Rory McIlroy in a US Open. Um, wow. I mean, I, I, I think you, you, need to, you need to start putting some money on that, to be honest. If we're going to start talking picks, Rory McIlroy, that's my first one I'll throw out there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it seems as though him and uh, Johnson are the two that have kind of drifted out from being kind of key favourites most of the time. They're both they're both up around the twenty to one mark, which is quite surprising. Um, moving on to talking about some of these kind of players, I'm interested to get kind of all your thoughts on a few of these few of these guys who we are notably seeing money come in for now. Brooks Kopka has been well backed here so far, and he is actually the favourite with Pinnacle to the win. Um, but I mean, he's even said himself he's not currently a hundred percent. Despite that, he showed what he's capable at Kiowa. Where he, I mean, he held the lead. I think it was quite briefly on the Sunday, but he's gone win-win runner-up in his last three U.S. Open starts, which is obviously very good form. Uh, but he's failed to break par in his past seven rounds at Torrey Pines and he's missed the cut the last two times playing at the Farmers Insurance. So add to that the dodgy right knee that he continues to be concerned about. And what's your guys' kind of thoughts on Kopka here? And should like should he really be favourite here in the betting market? I think John Rahm was favourite at eight what would it be? Eighteen oh four on Saturday night. John Rahm was very much favourite for this, and <laughs> yeah. then he got COVID, and at eighteen oh five, he was removed from the tournament. He was standout. He's he's got form going into the event. He's fantastic around Tory Pines. So then he drops down, and Brooks moves up. So I think there's the reason John Rahm has got to drop down. He's got two weeks of quarantine. He won't be able to get to Tory Pines, I don't think, until Wednesday. And it starts on Thursday. So I think that's why Brooks has moved up. Um, and maybe also because 
there is a distinct lack of form from the top players. You know, like Brooks is the only one, you know, he's won. He, he, he did show good signs at that, that the PGA Championship. Obviously, he did fall away. Um, and like you've just said there, his, his US Open form is quite phenomenal. Tory yes, Pine's record is, is worrying. Like, it is worrying, but this guy turns up in majors. Now, the fact that I was slightly disappointed in the fact he came second at the PGA just shows how good he is at, at, U, at US Opens and major championships. His performance gets yeah. better when a lot of us, I mean, I don't know when I played in, in Open Championships or US Open. I wasn't, as, I just wasn't as good. The pressure kind of got to me a bit. So I think that's why he's up there. Um, DJ is an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, maybe November last year, even going into the Masters, he was like six to one. It was ridiculous. Never seen anything yeah. like it. And he's just fallen off the planet. Now oh, he's yeah. playing this week. So he's playing this week um, over on the East Coast. So he's obviously trying to get a bit of form. But um, I can't believe he's missed the last two cuts. I don't know what's going on with him. I'm, I'm shocked by that. But I. Well, I quite like Brooks's chances, but I would be looking a little bit more towards DJ and thinking he can't get any worse. So something's got to click with him. The fact, yeah, you sure. know, we almost wish Brooks had won the PGA because it would have really kicked him like up the, up the bomb really and gone, come on a minute, you know, Brooks is winning. I need to win. So hopefully somebody's had a word in DJ's ear and said, come on lad, like you're better than this. So I'd, I think the fact that DJ's odds are really high, I quite like the fact you could go on him and, and gain a bit of value. Kopka in majors, don't, he, he for me seems to adopt the Nicholas attitude where they're the, they're the easiest tournaments to win because he knows that like most of the field are just going to back off. Uh, yeah. 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 He's, got, they, he's got the, uh, he's got, I was going to say to you as well, David, he's got the, the bit of beef going on with uh, Bryson. Is that, is that something oh, to say? Have you ever had some, some beef with someone on the, uh, on the tour? And is it, I suppose, does it drive you on or it's kind of, kind of capitulate your game altogether? Do you know, I was, th- I was thinking about that the other day because obviously Deshambo is obviously proper muscling it out there off the tee and Kopka's not short, is he? I, I wonder if it's going to spur Kopka on to, yeah, and start lift a few extra heavy weights and, and try and go after him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, was, uh, it certainly seems it certainly seems real to be honest. I mean, there's that short kind of clip on uh, Twitter somewhere where they just seem to just absolutely hate each other. It's, it's quite. Uh, and by, it's and by, so by the way, by the way, you know, work, working in broadcasting, somebody must have got in some right trouble for leaking that as well. I mean, that should end up on the cutting room floor or in a recycling bin on your computer. He requested it. Yeah. Is that right, Brooks, Sophie? Is that- yeah, Brooks requested it for his Snapchat. So he's put Seriously? it onto his mates gonna... and somebody's, um, yeah, it's leaked from there. But it's, was, do you know uh, what? It's kind of what golf needs. Like some kids, so I was on a podcast the other day and they were like, oh, it's a bit bullying, isn't it? I'm like, no, oh, golf needs on. heroes and villains. <laughs> and what, we need somebody what, to cheer for. What, and if they don't what, pair each other in the US Open, I want them paired together. Thursday, Friday, US Open, stick them two together. And let's see what happens. Yeah, get some odds on that, I think. The, the best mistake that DeChambeau's made now, though, isn't there? Because there was another clip came out about somebody shouting, go on, Brooke. And he's turned around and said, whoever's calling me Brooks needs to leave the golf course. So I, th- I think, isn't he getting, he's getting called Brooks getting now stick. all the time. Isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Montgomery when he, he didn't... Uh, he didn't do himself any favours in America and, and they love to get on you if you just give them any inkling of something that's going on. 
they just get on it just for the crack and, and that's it now he's going to be called Brooks forever you know going back to the parents thing as well that you're on about and saying oh if they're not paired together I've noticed that well I mean David you'll know about this the USGA are particularly naughty aren't they with who they pair together so things like this I mean they will just I mean it's getting, it's almost nailed on that those two are going to end up playing together Thursday Friday <laughs> and and it's funny and I remember I remember being, being at a US Open a few years ago and they and a fit, Fitz I was with Fitz and I was looping from us, caddying from in the practice rounds. And we were walking up um, the 18th and he was playing with Shane Lowry in this practice round. And I, and I said to Shane Lowry, I said, oh, good luck tomorrow. Who are you, who are you paired with? And he said, oh, I'm playing with Brendan De Jong and uh, Kevin Stadler. And if you know your golf, you know that those three are all big lads, right? All, <laughs> you know, probably the biggest lads out there. And, and I just thought, oh my word, that is hilarious. They've just basically paired three fat lads together. And he, and, and, and the next day, oh, sorry, it might be later on that evening, Brendan de Jong was in a press conference and he was whinging about it. And he was saying, I think it's disgusting. It's, it's not very nice that they've just basically paired three, three of us fat lads together. And of which Shane Lowry had a bit of fun with um, when he spoke to the press about 10 minutes after, because he basically just said, well, he can speak for himself. I don't see myself as being fat. <laughs> and that was when he was at his biggest as well. So that's a, so they do have fun with things like that. So don't be surprised if you see him uh, playing together. And I'm not sure if it's going to affect either the way either of them play. I think if it's going to affect e- either of them, I, I'm not sure if you guys would agree, but I think it would affect Bryson because I, I feel like he's a bit more mentally kind of fragile than Brooks. I think Brooks is I just agree, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. He's got that swag, hasn't he? So if they are paired together, I think Bryson, not that he's particularly trending in the right direction in terms of, um, you know, picking up another major, but I, I think that actually it'd be it'd probably working to Brooks's favour rather than Bryson's. But yeah, that's, that is an amusing element to it, which I've completely not really thought about. Yeah, sure. I was going to, I was going to say, James, that the, uh, when you said about um, that it should be scrapped on the floor, I was going to say it went anywhere, anywhere but scrapped on the floor because I think it actually went viral. So it got saw by it pretty much. Moving on, I was just to get uh, the opinion on uh, one more player who we have touched on, um, but Pinnacle have seen some money come in for Dustin Johnson. Um Obviously, I'm presuming people are probably kind of thinking that at some point he's going to have to kind of change his form and turn up. I mean, he is still the world number one. Um, he finished five or better in five of his past seven US Open starts. Um, but I suppose these stats are kind of irrelevant, the kind of form he's in. I mean, I believe he's the first world number to, number one to miss consecutive cuts at major, major since Greg Norman in 97. Um, he's missed the cut in two of his past three trips. Corey Pines as well, which is possibly significant if you are looking to bet on him. Um, I mean, what's your guys' thoughts here? I'll go back to, to you, James, first to start. I mean, is, are them stats kind of irrelevant here? I mean, the kind of form that we're seeing and kind of 200, 100 to 1 winners coming through, is it, it? would you be looking to back Johnson here or would you be put off by him? Um, I'd be put off by him, to be honest. I, I just, I, I think because he's, he seems like such a cruisy character, I think that's why, and because he's obviously been in form before, and he's um, you know, and he's always at the business end, and he in the majors generally. Um, and but, but, but no, I, I just don't see it. I really just don't see it at all. Um, I think he is a player who needs to be finely tuned. He obviously, you know, there's not much margin for error when you hit it like DJ. His wedges have always been a, 
sort of a weak part of his game. You know, inside 150 yards is something he really worked hard on, and that's why we started seeing him winning majors. I think if that's bits bit bit has eluded him going into this week, uh, he might struggle a little bit. I mean, if you're looking at kind of outsiders, I'll chuck some more names in if you don't mind. Xander Schauffele, uh, runners up in the Farmers Open at the same venue this year, and also the winner at the Farmers. Uh, Patrick Reed, and that kind of goes back to what I was on about earlier about liking the golf course. You know, you've got to like Torrey Pine, um, and those two clearly like Torrey Pines. I mean, Patrick Reed is out at 23s, and Xander Schauffele's out at 23s as well, and they were one-two in at the same venue this year. So I, I think that's remarkable value. I think if you're talking those top-end players who've you know regularly been up there in majors, that's where you're looking. DJ, not for me. I'd second Xander, um, fifth, sixth, third and fifth in his last four US Opens from San Diego. So clearly likes West Coast golf and uh, ninth in putting this year on tour. So he's one of those guys that is, is waiting to, to get a victory. And and I, I like the look of the Americans. I mean, 72% of US Open champions have been American, which is a phenomenal stat throughout the years. And you know, you think of the last few winners, they've all been Americans, have dominated this. And I, that's why I'm just looking to those those guys because, well, I was going to say the stats don't lie, but they have done so far this year. I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping the turning in the right direction again and everything will get back to normal at Tory Pines. But I was flabbergasted by that. Like three quarters of the, of the players that have won have been American. Yeah, I mean the uh, I well, James kind of took some of the words out of my mouth. Was actually done a done a bit of research myself. We've done kind of the work kind of for us, I suppose here. But I looked at some of the winner trends myself, and I see that some of these stats. I mean, I don't know if they'll have any significance at Tory Pines, but I'll reel some of them off. I mean, seven of the last ten winners are in their twenties. Ten of the last ten were age thirty-five or under. Nine of the last 10 were ranked in the world's top 25 and nine of the last 10 winners were not the defending champion. Now, looking at the trends and that basically kind of narrows us down to Jan de Chauffle, who we've mentioned and someone who we haven't mentioned is Tony Finau uh, with some other notable additions who were Patrick Reed, Tyrell Hatton and Patrick Cantlay. Now, what do, you, what do you guys think of that? Like kind of, I suppose if we're looking at outside picks in terms of picking a real long shot, shot which I mean, let's face it is definitely possible isn't it um is there anyone that maybe goes against these trends or you feel could go well or even goes with the trends or you feel matches up quite well but's maybe a bit out there in the odds maybe not someone who maybe someone like tony finnell who kind of isn't really mentioned what about what, what do you think of that Linny? i'll go to you first but I, I must admit, when I was looking over the uh, the runners and riders, t- Tony Finio was was a name that I saw there. Obviously, he's got the strength off the tee. Good player. Wouldn't surprise me if he fared well at, at Tory. But uh, uh, another name I was thinking, European, which James has already mentioned, uh, was it? I think it was James, uh, was Paul Casey. Paul Casey is undoubtedly good enough to win a major and he's not got many of them left I don't well although we, we look at Mickelson he's got quite a few left but <laughs> you know he's a he's a strong player is Casey and he just needs to he, he's fared a little bit he's this year hasn't he so far featured a couple of it and he and he just needs to you know start off get himself in the hunt and I, and I like him as a and he's out there at 50s isn't he uh 
Yeah. I remember Gareth, Gareth Lord, who caddied for Stenson for all those years, and Rosie. Lordy, through the Ryder Cup, was partnered with Casey, and I'll never forget him turning around to me once, and he went, that lad will win a major. And, and he just put it like that. And I partnered, partnered him in a Seve Cup uh, tournament as well, where you play against Europe, and it, he is different class. And without a major on his resume, uh, yeah, he... he he, he, he's definitely capable, and, and I, I do quite like him around there at 50s. Yeah, I mean, his form, I mean, I think he was tied fourth at the PGA, so he is actually does actually come into this in form, I suppose, at majors. Uh, Sophie, what about you? Is there anyone who kind of sticks out in the market from someone who, again, like we kind of say, maybe might not hit the trends or maybe does hit the trends, but maybe a bigger bigger kind of price, someone who might actually come through, maybe a bit like your grand, Brandon Grace shout last time? Yeah, um, let's think. So uh, we said we've mentioned kind of Daniel Berger. He's kind of forty-five to one. I think Victor Hovland is always going to be a shout for majors. Um, I, I, he's probably got better odds than that. He's won. He's won a US Amateur around Pebble Beach. He's come second at the Farmers earlier this year. But my outsider position it's Justin Rose. Now he has openly said he loves playing Tory Pines. So if we just listen to what James was saying, now it's a love or a hate relationship. He has won the US Open. He has won around Torrey Pines. Um, I was wife the other day and we were talking about a player and I said, oh, you know, she's working really hard at the minute. She's just not quite seeing the results. And she said, oh, I know how that feels. So he's definitely, he's, he's grinding hard on his game. At the Masters, I mean, he did a hell of a job with, I mean, a D game, didn't he? I, I just think for composure, yeah, for, for if, if this lad kind of gets back to anywhere near where he was, um, ball striking wise around a course that he does like and an event he's won he's worth a go but uh, it's, it, the thing is when they are outsiders there's always a question mark and, and, and with Justin Rose it's you know he said he's, he's not playing that well but I quite like it when a player accepts that because it shows that they're going to play within themselves and I think at a US Open that's exactly what you need to do you know yeah. what I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm just looking at these odds have we not talked about Louis Eustazen yet, by the way? Because he's just, his, his form is ridiculous. He's obviously second behind Mickelson at the PGA. He finished eighth at the Valspar just prior to that. He did all right at the, uh, the Memorial last week at Muirfield, uh, tied 18th. And you look on Pinnacle and it's at 65.62. I mean, what? What's that all about? And then they want to look short compared to some of the other winners recently. <laughs> I mean that is. I mean that that's like that's frightening, isn't it? That that he's is in that kind of form. Yeah, Major right. winner before, narrowly missed out on winning the Masters when he lost in a playoff. He's a serious player and he's a serious contender. And look, if we, whether we're talking about winners or not, I don't know. He's um, he's obviously struggled. He's had injuries and wrist problems and all this kind of stuff over the last few years. But you look at that form. Uh, Major, you know, ne- nearly sort of pit Mickelson to the post, didn't he, the other week? Yeah, um, and, you know, and he's, a, he's a gritty competitor. So if you're thinking of an outside kind of each way bet, at 65s, I mean, you've, you've got to be you've got to be getting on that for me. Yeah, that's like that's like serious. Yeah, seriously wrong. Serious By the time this podcast goes out, Chris, it's going to be, he's going to be down at 20s in if people <laughs> listen to him. If someone can get hold of him to see if he needs a new tractor, I mean, if he does, <laughs> yeah. I mean, then we know it's nailed on. (laughs) 
suppose to I suppose to to wrap things up towards the end now. I mean, we've obviously we've gone over a, a lot of analysis there, and like you, on James. I mean, with these kind of markets, you can talk all day kind of until you're blue in the face, but it's very hard to pick an outright winner um, as we normally do on the podcast when it is now at the, uh, when it gets to the business end, as we say, and we are looking for kind of our value picks and potentially, potentially a winner, which fingers crossed we will, we will get this time from one of us. Um, What I'm going to do, I'll go round uh, as usual, and I'm going to just get two today from all three of you. So it'll be your outright pick to win. Uh, and then someone's a finish in the top 10 or I suppose a good each way bet, which is depends on what kind of bookmaker you're kind of with. It will pay out usually about the first 10 places. So roughly around that. Um, I'll start off with mine being the, the non-expert, as we say, I'll start with mine. I'm going for Wills and a Taurus and the show back on a bit of decent research. So that's how I'm going to start off with. Feel free to pick the same people if you want. But um, Sophie, I'll go to you first. Who are you? Uh, who are you choosing? Yeah, clearly read my article. Right, Xander, definitely. Xander's the one for me. And um, kind of a toss-up between Webb Simpson and Daniel Berger. Um, Who's got the best? I'll go Daniel Berger. I'll go Daniel B. Might get a bit better odds with him. Sure. And uh, David, what about you, pal? I'm on Rory McIlroy and my outsider for a top 10 will be Casey. I had a feeling that was uh, that was coming in there, but yeah, James. Uh, last, last but not least, uh, Paul, what's your uh, what's your picks? Um, I mean, it'll come to no surprise that my each way shout is Louis Eustace at sixty fives, due to his form, due to his previous major pedigree and his fearless nature, and in terms of winning outright, I'm with Linny Rory at nineteens. Loves Torrey Pines, good form around there, good form recently, and Pete Cowan with his magic wand, I think, has sorted him right out. <laughs> that's all. That's uh, good enough for me. We'll uh, we'll revisit these again on our next podcast at the next major, and we'll see if we eventually get a winner. But um, I suppose that's about it for today. I hope our listeners have enjoyed the insight and analysis provided by Sophie, David, and James ahead of the US Open Championship. As I said, fingers crossed, we can provide some profitable tip for our listeners. Uh, if you do want to check out any of the US Open odds that we have discussed today, then they can be found at pinnacle.com. And just to always remember to gamble responsibly. 